And actually, I like to separate empathy and compassion. Mm. <laughs> I like to make a distinction, although a lot of people don't necessarily agree, nor do they have to agree with me. In this episode, we break down the difference between empathy and compassion. My name is Justin Sinceri. And I am Mercedes Corona. We are licensed marriage and family therapists and your fellow trauma nerds, helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 40 of the Polyvagal Podcast. If you're a Polyvagal Podcast super fan, we've got announcements, a homework assignment for you after the episode main topic. Ooh. But before we get started, we want to remind you to please put yourself first. We try and keep every episode as safe as we can, but just by the nature of the topics, you might experience some things come up for yourself. So take a break if you need to and come back when you're ready. All right, Mercedes has us covered on empathy. I'll be talking about compassion. Take it away. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And I I pulled a super nerd on this one, and I, I have Webster's definition, but I have a specific reason for it. So here's the full Webster's definition. It says, the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another, of either the past or present, without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner. So the thing that I thought was really interesting about that, I think you caught it (laughs) because you're super nodding right now, is that last part about how you can understand someone else's feelings or be aware of them without having them explicitly communicated to you. I thought that was really interesting because that feels it is yeah dead on, right? Like I, every time I think about empathy and, and compassion, I think about therapy, and that's usually the client talking a lot, and right, of course, and then we feel empathy. But yeah, empathy happens even without talking. That's what you're saying, right? Well, yes and no. I. It can happen without talking, but I think it 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 can happen without the other person explicitly saying, here's what I'm feeling. Do you understand? It's more like the listener is understanding without that person explicitly identifying. Right now, I am feeling so frustrated. You can just understand, wow, you know, that must be so frustrating. But it's not just understanding. It's an actual feeling. Like you're, you're feeling the frustration along with them, right? Well... Hey, that's the perfect segue, because I also found an article, and I have I have the link for it, and we can put it in the show notes, that talks about the difference between affective empathy and cognitive empathy. Affective empathy is the sensations and feelings we get in response to others' emotions, which can include mirroring the person's feelings. So that's affective empathy. Cognitive empathy is perspective-taking, so our ability to identify and understand another person's emotions. So the article identifies two different types of empathy. And I I guess I kind of conceptualize it more as the cognitive empathy, but I know that when you talk about it, you seem to identify it more as the affective empathy, where where you're feeling the person's feelings. And I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but I, I kind of conceptualize empathy as more the cognitive one, where I can see your perspective, I can put myself in your shoes, I'm not in your shoes, but I can see where you're coming from, or I can understand what you're feeling based on the context of your life. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that. That's interesting. You don't like that? <laughs> no, for me, it's all the feeling. <laughs> but yeah, do you it's, think... it's totally the whole... It's, and I'm not saying right or wrong. But you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so so in your therapist's shoes, wearing your therapist hat, 
you feel what they feel every time, all the time? Because there's definitely times that I, you know, I'm sitting there with a client and I'm just overwhelmed with sadness or anger no, or but, frustration. Right. But it's not no, all the time. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% accurate with my empathy all the time. There's, like you said, there's stuff that gets in the way. But at my best, I'm pretty darn accurate on some level, I think. No, I'm not. Well, I'm not questioning your accuracy. Or at my, <laughs> at my most regulated, you know. But that's, I think, I guess But I'm not me, talking what, about accuracy, though. I'm talking about f- feeling what they're feeling. So not not whether you're right or wrong or whatever, but but feeling the emotion. Well, how else are you supposed to know if you feel what they feel unless it's accurate? Unless you ask for, part of it's like asking for information and saying, this is what I'm feeling in my, or this is what I'm hearing you say. And that's more of a cognitive, like I'm asking, I'm clarifying using my words. I'm feeling some frustration right now. Is that kind of what you're experiencing? Or is that what you're expressing? And then yes or no. And it's like, well, okay, is, is that my empathy? Because empathy would be, I'm feeling what you're feeling versus me simply feeling frustrated, right? Which is just, that's how I feel. So I, I, yeah. I'll ask, or I think part of the function of asking is it helps me figure out if I'm just feeling my own thing or if it's a reflection of what they're feeling. But my question is, do you feel that feeling every, like, every time that you're in session with a client, you're feeling what you imagine that they're feeling? Because for me, not, most of the time, I ima- it's... No, it's not... No, hold on. It's not that I feel what I imagine. I feel what they feel on some level. Like, not perfectly, not not, the, not maybe not the same intensity. But yeah. Even when I have a, kid, a student or a kid who's, like, dissociative, on some level, I feel that shutdown stuff come on. Like, I feel some level of dissociation along with them. Like, I know on some level where they're at. So yeah, for me, and not just emotions, but, like, polyvagal state stuff, I, I'll feel my sympathetic level kick up yeah as as theirs is but also on an emotional level i can f- feel frustration or sadness and give and say those words and they say yeah that's that's it that's what i'm feeling so for me yeah like i, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty accurate with my empathy and my ability to feel what they feel i don't know because I'm, I'm really trying to conceptualize what i experience in the therapy session with my clients and yes i i feel what they feel but at the same time i I guess I can kind of separate what's mine and what's theirs. Yeah. So is that is that your experience too? Where like Mercedes feels calm and connected right now, but little Billy feels frustrated and angry. And so I can connect with his feelings, but they're not mine. But I feel them to some level. Yeah, I, I think the polyvagal way of saying that would be like, I'm in my safe and social state. And this mm-hmm. actually has a lot to do with compassion, which I'll talk about. Yeah. I'm I'm anchored in my safe and social state, which might be a calm or a connection or a joy or excitement or you know, like I, I'm in my safe and social place. That's me. Plus I can tell what you're feeling and kind of meet you on some level, but still stay anchored in my safe and social place, which is Yeah. But that that's compassion. Spoiler alert, there it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way. <laughs> End of episode. See you guys next time. No. Um, yeah, but I th- I think you're I think we're what you just described yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. But it's interesting though that you identified the the article identified a feeling empathy and a thought or yeah. understand understanding empathy. Yeah, yeah. The the affective empathy and the cognitive empathy. So the the one that's more tied to the emotions and the ones the, the one that's more tied to perspective taking is literally what it says. 
So the next part that I like to do is the words related to empathy. So we've already said all these already, but words that are related to empathy are understanding, sharing, awareness, sensitive, like being sensitive to another person's feelings, um, vicariously experiencing, and sensing emotions. I like, I like it when you do the words. Do you? <laughs> I do, yeah. I like the word awareness. It's not exactly knowing, but it's being aware of what the other person is feeling, which I just really like. There's a sense of respect in it, I think, for me. A sense of honoring the other person's experience without necessarily taking it on as your own. As therapists, we have to be super aware of our own stuff and what are we feeling that's ours? What are we feeling that um, yes. mirrors what they're feeling? Yes. Awareness is huge. Empathy and personal growth. So again, I like to give credit where credit is due. So uh, there was another article that I pulled a lot of this information from, which again, we could put in the show notes. The article talked about the different reasons that empathy is important. And one of the, the first major one was building social connections with others. So this feels really obvious to me because without empathy, then we'd just all be walking around through the world, like just like tripping each other and pushing each other. Get out of my way. I was here first. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> that's where my mind goes is like you have to have a little bit of empathy to remember that, you know what, I have to wait my turn in line just like that person waited their turn in line. Or, you know, like I don't get to throw food at the McDonald's person because it's not fun to feel potato on your face in the morning. No, what, no, it wouldn't be. So yeah, building social connections with others. I think it's a really yeah. huge component of empathy. Uh, the second point was that it helps you learn to regulate your own emotions. You know, we take those, um, what are they called? The child development courses when we're doing our training to become therapists and you know, there's that whole phase where the kids are very egocentric. Therapy school. Therapy, therapy school is what we call it. Um, <laughs> there's that whole phase of childhood where kids are very egocentric and they can't see another person's point of view. But then when they start understanding another person's perspective, that's when they kind of start becoming their own person. So it's this almost like paradoxical idea that when you begin to understand others, you begin to understand yourself better. I can see how it helps to learn... Yes, to learn to regulate your own emotions. The last thing that I noted from the article was that it promotes helping behaviors. I think that's where the compassion comes in. Ah, let's talk about compassion. All right, what is compassion? It is kindness, caring, and or a willingness to help others. I don't remember if I made those up or if I looked it up. But I, I had a list of words, just like you. I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I looked it up and I was severely like disappointed in how little synonyms there were because I was like, oh, I'm going to do what Mercedes does and <laughs> have this list of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's it. So kindness, caring, and a willingness to help others. I view compassion, and this is largely in part due to my chat with uh, Dr. Porges way back in episode 15 where he said empathy and compassion are different things. And that's not something I had thought about previously. But he said, I think he had kind of spelled out that compassion is the combination of empathy plus wanting to help. Compassion requires that we are in a safe and social state for ourselves. Like we, that, And I think that's where the willingness to help others part of it comes in. That when we're in a safe place, when we're in our safe and social state, 
that that then is a platform for us to give and to help others. So we have to have a heavy, I think a pretty heavy anchor in our safe and social state. Then the, the empathy part of it is that we can, while we're there, while we're anchored in our safe and social state, that we can also feel what someone else feels, or I guess understand based on what you're saying, but I'm coming more from the feeling part of it, that we can feel and be at least partially like in a sympathetic place or maybe even a shutdown place along with someone while still being anchored in our safe and social state. And we do this, hopefully therapists, our therapeers and us do this in therapy. We have to be regulated. We have to be in our safe and social state. And I think uh, actually pretty much anyone in a helping profession, doctors, teachers, nurses, we have to be in a safe and social state. Um, but especially for us as therapists, just talk about us. We have to be able to emotionally understand where someone's coming from, emotionally like attune, emotionally feel to have empathy with where they're at, but also stay in our safe social state so that we can actually help and we can provide help. It's kind of like the, the image in my mind is that we're kind of like throwing out like a life raft. Like I'm on the boat, I'm safe throwing the life raft out there. Like, I, I know you need help. I, I see you struggling. I feel how uncomfortable and I feel the panic. I feel what you're going through, but I'm in a good place. I can think straight. I can go to the life raft. I can turn the boat around. I can help. I can do what I need to do. Cause, and I, but I'm also feeling what you're feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. That you can, you can imagine yourself being in that, in that place where I'm on the boat and I'm safe, but I can understand that being out in the water and not being safe, that would feel scary and cold. And But it's not just cognitively imagining it. Mm-hmm. It's it's experiencing it along with that person. And in therapy, I think that we do that. I think that therapists, when someone's sharing what they've survived, we experience it on some level along with them. I think so. But this is what makes me think of what I was talking about in the beginning, like where I, can, I feel like I can kind of hold to... Um, experiences at once in my head. I, I can hold my experience, say, using your analogy, I can hold my experience of being on the boat and I can hold the experience of the other person being in the water at the same time simultaneously and understand this is me and this is what's mine and that's theirs, but yeah. simultaneously yeah. experience them both within myself. Yeah, I think we're, we're saying the same mm-hmm. thing. But the empathy part of it is, just to make sure it's clear, is that we are on some level feeling what they feel someone who's panicking in a therapy session we probably feel a sympathetic charge along with them we probably are tensing up on some level like even a small level with them but we're able to stay in our safe and social state we're able to stay regulated and then to help you know in some way right because we're able to still have access to our problem solving and our critical thinking so that's, I think, where the compassion comes in is that I feel what you're feeling, but I'm still in a good place and I can help. If I wasn't in my good place, I wouldn't be able to help. And now all we have left is just empathy. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I take away my safe and social state, all I'm doing is feeling along with you without the anchor and the help. Now we're both drowning in the water. Exactly. Now I'm no longer on the boat. I've jumped into the water with you. Yeah. Now we're both drowning. There you go. Yeah. So ideally, therapists are 
coming from compassion and not just empathy. I don't think we're perfect. I don't think everyone is 100% compassionate. And some of us are. I think there's, are you one of those people? No, I'm talking about you. <laughs> no, I'm not there. I wish I could claim it. No, I've made mistakes. Well, I, I call them mistakes, but I, I've lost access to yeah to my safe and social state. There's there's been t- sessions where I look back and I'm like, you know what, darn it, I, like I missed something or, mm-hmm. or um, I, I wasn't regulated enough. Like there, there's definitely times where I look For back sure. and I feel like I left some some points in the field there uh, to use a football metaphor. Yes, I caught which it. Which totally fits. I got it. <laughs> uh, I caught it. Uh, pun. Hey, nice. <laughs> I read an article here. It was saying that compassion from professionals is essential in treatment and that it actually improves outcomes and medical costs decrease. This is an NPR article. The quote is here is a real quick quote. It says, among other benefits, compassion reduces pain, improves healing, lowers blood pressure, and helps alleviate depression and anxiety. And that makes total sense because if I'm simply feeling empathy and I'm down the ladder with you, then it just sends more danger cues and it keeps yeah. you down the ladder. But if I'm coming from compassion and I have access to my safe and social state, it's again, that life raft, like you're going to climb the right. ladder because I'm going to be sending you safety cues. So that makes total sense that it would help alleviate depression, help alleviate anxiety. So if we're helping someone through compassion, helping them climb the ladder that they have access to greater access to health and growth and restoration. Well, and I like the imagery of your example of the boat, right? If, if I'm safe on the boat and you're drowning, then you're going to feel safe understanding that I'm trying to, you know, I'm throwing you a life raft, I'm doing the thing. But if I jump in with you, you're going to be like, what the heck did you just do? Now we're both going to die. Whereas, bef- you know, if you had stayed on the boat, we both could be alive. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's the danger and cues and like, why, why would you have jumped in? Now we're both in danger. Yeah. So a day-to-day example, non-therapy related is, you know, parents. When kids become dysregulated, and the parents, rather than staying regulated and putting that first, what they end up doing is dropping down into their own sympathetic flight fight place, and it becomes more about anger versus uh, safety and compassion and returning the child back to their state of safe and social. It becomes less about that and more about the anger. The last thing I want to add here is just to tie it back to our talk about curiosity and evaluation. I think curiosity and compassion go really hand in hand and that evaluation, not so much. And I think that when we drop down the ladder, we have empathy. Like we, we have empathy. We drop down the ladder. We meet them where they're at as far as feeling what they feel. But along with that, if we drop down the ladder, now comes evaluation. And what we'll end up doing is evaluating their pain. We'll do a therapy and a parenting analogy. In therapy, someone says... Um, that they went through something horrific. Rather than coming from a place of compassion, we drop down the ladder with them, which is empathy. And now we lose access to our curiosity. And now it becomes more about, well, why did you put yourself in this situation? Which is evaluative. Or it becomes more about, it sounds pretty bad, but is it really that bad? And those judgmental evaluative things pop into our mind, I think, more likely to do so. Versus if we were in our compassionate place, we would stay with them. We'd stay in the moment with them. We would keep giving them safety cues. We'd, we'd be curious about their experience of it. We'd be curious about where that lives in their body as far as like the fear of it or what they went through. or the, you know, All those pieces would stay there. And that would be the, the life raft piece of it, like bringing them up the ladder 
into safety. I feel like I'm mixing up I'm mixing up the ladder and a boat and I feel like there's a number <laughs> a number of metaphors coming into play here. And they all may or may not be associated <laughs> to a ship. <laughs> With the parenting example, child falls down and gets hurt, right? Parent, rather than welcoming, embracing, maybe hugging, uh, maybe using vocal prosody to reassure them, they stare at them from a distance and say, it, it doesn't hurt. You're evaluating their pain level, whether it's real or not. You're saying it doesn't hurt or um, get up, it's not that bad. It's that kind of stuff. That is my best understanding of compassion. I think we tied it into polyvagal theory, both of them pretty well. I don't think we really did mine, but I think we assume empathy comes from a place of safe and social. Although technically, no, it's, what we were saying is that empathy lives where the other person is. You kind of have to start in safe and social, though, don't you? If someone's in flight fight, they don't have empathy. They neurocept danger cues, but they don't have, or safety danger cues, but they don't have empathy. They don't really feel what someone else feels. Yeah, you definitely have to start in safe and social. See, I think this is, again, where I struggle, and I think it's just my own personal definition of empathy, but I don't, I have a hard time separating the idea that empathy, okay, so if you're in a fight state and I'm empathizing with you, then I drop down into my fight state, then I feel like at that point I would then lose access to my empathy, and then it would kind of just be a free-for-all. Then I'm in fight state and you're in fight state. And I'm not saying we're fighting each other, but but do you know what I mean? I think that's where I struggle with the idea that empathy is 100% feeling what the other person's feeling. Because I know that I can be empathetic, and, and maybe I'm just in my head too much, but I know that I can be empathetic without also taking on 100% of what it means to be in that emotional state. But that's because you're anchored in safe and social yeah. and it's compassion. I think we agree that it always starts in safe and social. Do we assume that it always stays anchored in safe and social, even once the ball has started rolling on that? I think what, and I think what Dr. Porges was saying, and I, I agree, is that if you feel empathy without being anchored in your safe and social state, that it simply becomes your own, you know, flight, fight, or shutdown sort of stuff. And then your thoughts shift and you become evaluative of them and of yourself. And and then it kind of just becomes your own thing. That's my my understanding of it. Like it starts off maybe as empathy. Like I'm meeting in, in session. Uh, I'm, you know, let's say you're meeting with a client who is having that kind of panic kind of flavor to them. Or the high sympathetic charge. They're kind of tensing up. Breathing's going shallow. You feel that along with them. If you're in your compassionate place and you're anchored and safe and social, then you can provide whatever treatment you know that looks like. If you are just empathetic, you're going to drop down the ladder, right? And your thoughts are now going to become, what do I do? It's all blown up in my face. I'm going to get fired. I'm losing the rent money. And now it's just your own thing. That's See, what that's I mean. what like, I'm talking about too. Is that... True, the definition of empathy, true empathy, I think implies that once you bump down to that person's level, then I assume that you're no longer necessarily being empathetic. I think so. You're just I think so. also upset now. You're, yeah. I was calm. You were upset. I came down to upset with you. Now we're just both upset. And it's no longer about sharing in your experience. Now I'm just having my own experience 
that is equal to yours. Well, I don't think it has to be equal, but it's just your own Well, experience. similar. That's how I'm understanding it. We agree? We agree. We agree. <laughs> think about driving along the road and you see homeless people. Like a part of you feels like, oh man. Like you feel that yeah. heaviness. Like there's empathy. You feel yeah. that heaviness. So you can feel that, but still drive away. Because you're still in your, you're, you're in your safe, you're not running away, you're not flee, fleeing. It's not flight. It's just you know you're driving away. I'm still in my safe and social state, but I can feel what the I can feel some level of empathy. I can feel some level of despair. Not all of what they're feeling, but on some level, I can relate on some level, right? Not that you've lived their life or are living their life, but yeah, there's some some piece of you that that can feel their their despair or or pain or misery or trauma or whatever. Yeah. So you can feel it, but then you still, you don't reach out to help. Compassion, I think would be, you feel it and that's kind of an extreme situation, but compassion could be like, you feel their despair and you give them some money as you walk by them on the sidewalk. Yeah. That might be called, that might be called compassion. Like you're trying okay. to help or it could be giving them a resource to tap into to get help. To get further help, you know, like you, you do something based on your empathy that something in your empathy tells you that, that they need help. You notice that you stay in your safe and social state and then you choose to help in some way, whatever that looks like. In both circumstances, you're you're still in your safe and social state. Yeah. Empathy comes into play, but the only difference is with the compassion circumstance, you're choosing to use that pain that you feel. You're choosing to use the empathy while staying anchored and safe and social to help. Like maybe, maybe it's this compulsion to help or this choice to help. Whereas you can feel empathy, but not help or not feel the compulsion to help. I don't think. So I guess my question is thinking about empathy. Is it possible for a person to drop down so far into an empathetic state, taking on so, so much of the other person's feelings or experience that they do then lose access to their safe and social oh, yeah yeah i think so and then see and this is where i think i'm just getting overly caught up in the details but then like what does that look like and that just seems odd to me that you start in a place of I, empathy no, I lay, and then i kind of i kind of laid out the example of the panic yeah someone panicking in session and then it becomes yeah but i would never thing. i can't relate to that because i would never do that i would th- theoretically <laughs> it's never happened yet you know i can see the my clients panic i can I can link to that and I can connect to that and empathize with it, but I'm I'm not going to fall into my own state of panic then. So I think that's where I get. Have you ever had a session where you are attuning with them and you're, you're being empathetic, you feel what they're feeling on some level, like you feel some sympathetic charge and it turns into worrying or being anxious about how effective you are Oh yeah, you start to eval- for sure. evaluate your effectiveness. So I think yeah. in those little moments, in those little moments, at least while you're doubting, while you're evaluating, while you're questioning, mm-hmm. and maybe thinking about the future of like this session's gonna fail. I'm a terrible therapist, and I'm losing money. Like those moments, you're in your own stuff. It's not empathy anymore. Okay, and you can come out of that hopefully quickly. Yeah, with a good dose of regulation, self-regulation there. But in those little moments, it's no longer empathy. It's just your own stuff, I think. 
But I guess I was taking it too literally. Like if if you're in an angry fight state, then I'm going to go into an angry fight state. But it's not so much that. It's more I'm going to go, I'm going to empathize with the anger. And then maybe that takes me into my own flight slash fight state. And then you'll have some sort of sympathetic charge. It turns into my stuff, not your stuff. So it's not a free for all. It's more like now we're both just kind of stewing in our own Mm -hmm. whatever stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And just like the parent who picks up on their kid's tantrum, there's a, a level of empathy where they can kind of understand where their kid's coming from. But if they respond out of anger, that, that's no longer empathy. That's just your own stuff. It just went somewhere yeah. else. A couple of announcements for you. If you go to justinlmft.com slash polyvagal101, you will see basically the fundamentals of the polyvagal theory that are super easy for anybody to understand with links to episodes that we've done, blogs I've written, books that I recommend. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's linked up. I basically created this as a resource for anyone who's curious about the polyvagal theory, but I think it's also a really good language resource for professionals who are working with clients or patients that are using this type of language. It's all right there. It breaks down the primary states and mixed states, uh, story follow state, neuroception, all this, all the polyvagal stuff, all there with more links for even deeper learning. So that is justinlmft.com slash polyvagal101. That's one word, polyvagal101. The other announcement is I have cut up my presentation to Fresno Pacific University. There's a probably like four hours worth of stuff there that is coming to my YouTube channel. Parts one, two, and three are some polyvagal fundamentals. I do some Q&A stuff. I got an episode for that. But basically, check out my YouTube channel. There's a whole bunch of polyvagal stuff coming out from a presentation I did to Fresno Pacific University that covers a lot of ground. So make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or even with yourself. But with empathy, because of the science underneath empathy, it's really that we feel other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. And when we feel that, sometimes we react to them. So if a person is in great pain and we feel that pain, we're not really positioned to give cues of support and safety to the person who is in great pain. And that's where I use the word compassion. Compassion is you're respectful of the other person's pain. You, You acknowledge it but you're there to witness and to support.